if you are our guest, I want to extend my welcome to you. Thank you for coming and joining us. We're glad you're here. And if you have time, I stay down front. Come down to the front and uh, let me get acquainted with you, and thank you for coming. Didn't I was not here last week. I, I had the flu. I was really blessed. I had type A and type B at the same time. Uh, so I don't know why God looked on me with such favor, but uh, I was so sick I heard the angels sing. And uh, I called my buddy Jim Willem, and I said, Jim, it's on Friday. I don't know. He said, call me Saturday morning. And it wasn't any better Saturday morning. So our beloved bishop filled in for us. And wasn't he dressed real dapper? You know, for an old man to dress like that. His socks even matches his tie. You know, he's really cool. Uh, so he was more than gracious to fill in, and I, and I appreciate being able to call on him at the last moment. I wasn't here last week to thank you, but did not we have a glorious resurrection weekend? Wasn't it great? It was absolutely super. And I want to thank all of you who made it possible some of you got up before dawn's early light uh, to be here and to pull it off, and uh, thank you for serving us well. It was, it was just an absolute glorious day. The attendance was over the top, and our sunrise service, we had over 250 in that sunrise service, and um, we need to make that a tradition between First Church and Burlington Baptist. How about that? I, I, think, that, I think that would work. I know I talked to Darren, the pastor, and he said, let's do it again next year. And uh, I, hope, uh, I hope that it works out when your, new pastor, when your new pastor comes. I am still in the series uh, called What About Heaven? And a lot of those questions that those kids were asking uh, on the video, I'm going to try to answer next week. I have compiled a list of questions that people have asked me about heaven down through the years. Now, I can't deal. There's a whole lot more questions than I can deal with. But I'm going to pick out some of the questions that I get asked the most about heaven. So uh, I think, I think uh, you would appreciate uh, some of the questions. Some of those questions, very questions that those kids ask, people ask me all the time. So we'll deal with that uh, next week. Today we're going to talk about, is heaven a real place? You'd be amazed at the number of people who do not think heaven is a real place. We're going to talk about that. Let's pray. Now, Father, I praise you for Jesus, who is our great high priest, who has gone into heaven and opened for us a gate of glory, that, and now he is preparing for us our heavenly home. And Father, I pray today for all of those who need to seek you and find you and enter into the hope of eternal life with you in heaven. And Father, I pray for those who have wandered away from you, who've wandered away from the church, who've wandered away from their brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that you will bring them back. Bring them back to the fold. Bring them back to the fellowship. Bring them back to the joy of seeing you in heaven. Father, I pray this morning that you would heal those in our congregation who are suffering I pray that you would relieve their pains and their agonies, and I pray that they would have a good day. And Father, I pray for those who are comforting or who are grieving, especially our friends, the Brewers, as they grieve the homecoming, the homegoing of Carl. 
comfort them in knowing that one of these days they will see him again, healed and whole. And Father, today I thank you for the life of Dr. Warren Wiersbe. Thank you that you have taken him to yourself, and today he is enjoying the fruits of his ministry, and he's enjoying being out of that body that was so sick. Thank you for the influence that he's had on me. Thank you, Father, for the influence he had on our area as the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church for 10 years and built that church into the mega church before there were even mega churches. So we give you thanks for his life, and I pray for the comfort of his family as they lay him in your arms, and we rejoice that he is home with you. Now, Father, pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear. We pray it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. There was an 85-year-old couple that had been married for 65 years. They lived well. They took care of themselves. And his wife made sure that he ate well. And they exercised every day. Well, sadly, at 85, they had a tragic automobile accident, and both of them were killed. They get to heaven, and St. Peter is showing them all around, and he takes them to this beautiful mansion, and he says, this is where you're going to live. Let me show you inside. Took them inside, and he showed them the garden bathroom and the hot tub, and he said, now look out back. There is a pool for you to enjoy, and it backs up right to a golf course. And the old man said, wow, this is great, but we can't afford a place like this. Peter said, sir, you don't understand. This is heaven, and this is free. And that golf course back there, the green fees, you don't have to pay anything on them. And there's no tea time. And every day, that golf course changes into a new golf course. And he said, well, man, that is amazing, but we, we, can't, we can't afford to belong to a country club. Heaven is free, man. You don't understand. He takes them over to the clubhouse, and he shows them this banquet room. And there is, in the banquet, the tables are loaded with all kinds of rich food and desserts. And, uh, and Peter says to him, this is where you're going to eat. And the old gentleman said, we don't eat this kind of food. He said, show us where the low cow and the low carb and the low fat foods are. He said, sir, you don't understand. This is heaven. You can eat what you want. You don't have to worry about low carbs. You don't have to worry about calories. You don't have to worry about fat. You don't have to worry about calories. This is heaven. You can enjoy all this. The old man took his hat off, and he started stomping it fiercely, and he was so angry. And Peter said, what's wrong with you? Calm down, calm down. And the old guy pointed at his wife, and he said, if it wasn't for you feeding me those bran muffins, I could have been here 10 years ago. And all of us who have to eat bran muffins say, (laughs) but let me ask you, when someone tells you a story about heaven like that, and you start talking about home and food and places to see and places to play, why do we immediately assume that we're telling a joke? Why are the thoughts of heaven separated the physical thoughts about heaven, separated from the celestial. 
we always think of heaven as some celestial woo-woo place, you know, and it's not physical. And it seems that most people think that, that heaven is just some mystical, ghostly place. And I think that they are in for a shock because heaven will be a real material place. We will see it, we will smell it, we will taste it, we will touch it, and we will live in it. I want to show you some realities about heaven that we will experience in the new life. The first one is this, heaven will be real. Heaven will be real. It will be a material place. Now, we have prophecies in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talk about heaven, and they talk about structures, and they talk about streets, and they talk about dimensions, and they talk about rooms, and they talk about scenery. And then we say, oh, that's not literal. Where did we get the authority to say that? This is not what the Bible says, and it's certainly not what Jesus says. Don't you think Jesus would tell us the truth about heaven? Look what he said. There are many rooms in my Father's home. I am going to prepare a, what's the word? Place, a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. If heaven was not a real place, I think Jesus would have told us the truth about heaven. And he told us that it's a real place. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 16. But they, Abraham and the patriarchs, they are the Abraham and the patriarchs, were looking for a better place, a heavenly home, and that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a heavenly city for them. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. For this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our heavenly city in heaven, which is to come. Now, when the Apostle John in the book of Revelation talks about the heavenlies, he talks about structures. He talks about dimensions. He talks about walls. He talks about streets. And he says right in the middle of all of this is going to be this garden that is comparable to the Garden of Eden. And the Apostle Paul makes it clear that God's redemptive purpose includes much more than the souls of people. When Jesus died, he, yes, he died to save our souls, but he also died for other reasons as well. Look at Romans, the eighth chapter. Yet what we suffer now <coughs> is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later. For all creation is waiting for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, that's nature, against this creation, everything on earth was subjected to God's curse. When Adam and Eve sinned, they not only cursed us, but they cursed all of creation. All creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay, for we know that all creation has been groaning, as in pains of childbirth, right up to the present age. 
Now, a lot of people think that when Jesus comes back, everything God created, he is going to totally destroy and it will disappear. Well, stay tuned for the last sermon and we'll talk about that. Now, what does the idea of the pains of childbirth suggest? Childbirth suggests something glorious is about to be delivered. Amen? Life is, isn't over. It's just about to begin again. So you see, our victory in Jesus is far more than we thought it to be. Our victory in Jesus is, def- is going to completely reverse the curse. The curse that started in Genesis 1 will be completely reversed when Jesus comes back. So we're going to live in this new heaven and this new earth. It is going to be a real place. All right? Our bodies will be real. Our bodies will rebuild. Our bodies will be physical bodies. Now, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people think that we are spirits and God just made the body to house the spirit. That's backwards. Go back to Genesis. What did God create first? He created first the body out of the dust. And then what did he do? He breathed into it the spirit. So God, we're just not a spirit. God made the body first to house our spirit. Now, these current bodies are cursed by sin. They are subject to decay. We can't exercise enough, praise God. We can't exercise enough. We can't eat enough bran muffins to keep this body from wearing out. These bodies are cursed by sin. And because they are, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So our hope is not just to be delivered from this body. Our hope is to be delivered into new bodies. Bodies just like Jesus when he rose from the dead. Look at Romans 8 again. And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, we groan to be released from pain and sorrow. Do you groan? You groan? Boy, I groan. When I get up, I, Joy says, why you groan so bad? Well, I'm trying to get this thing going. <clears throat> she says, well, why don't you go down the hall to your bathroom and groan? You know, and this morning my body is groaning. We got in about one o'clock last night. Now, we weren't coming in from the derby and we weren't drunk coming in from the derby. Uh, we were, if I'd have been on that horse that got, well, that's another story. <laughs> but we were at our grandson's graduation at Johnson University last night. And, uh, and so this morning my clock went off, my body groaned. It groaned, it groaned. So we know what it's like to groan in this body. We groan to be released from the pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for the day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies he has promised. Now, our salvation is finished, but we're not fully enjoying it yet. 
John Stott, in one of his books on John the 14th chapter, he says, we are living between the now, the now, and the not yet. Isn't that the truth? We're living in the now, but not yet. And one day we will be living in the not yet. But, but until we do, we groan in this body. And our bodies haven't been glorified yet. And they have to go through the resurrection in order to be glorified. Remember Lazarus. Now don't mistake Lazarus was not resurrected. He was resuscitated. When Lazarus came out of that grave, he still had his old sin nature. And you know what? He had to die all over again. Isn't that a bummer? Isn't that a bummer? He had to die the second time. That's not our hope. Our hope is that this body will be glorified. God is going to do for us what he's been doing to the seeds that you've been planting this spring. I don't know if you've been able to plant anything because it's so wet. But when you plant corn, he raises it up and you get corn. You put that dead seed in the ground, you get live corn. You put peas in the ground, you get live peas. I hope none of you grow broccoli. It ought to die. But... uh, But when you put an acorn in the ground, it grows up and becomes a giant living oak tree. Paul says, God is going to do that to us. One of these days, our body will be planted in some cemetery somewhere. And then when Jesus comes back in all his glory, it will be raised up. And you will still be you. I will still be me, but we will have a glorious, different body. The body that Jesus had when he rose from the bed. Now, Paul says in Philippians, listen, this is a wonderful verse. God will write this verse down. Philippians 3, 20, 21. But we are citizens of heaven. When the Lord Jesus, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting For him to return as our Savior. Amen. He will take these weak mortal bodies of ours. And change them into a glorious body like his own. Using the same mighty power that he will use to conquer everything everywhere. It astounds me when I read surveys on this. That two-thirds of the people, and a lot of them are believers, believe they will not have a body in the next life. <clears throat> that there's just going to be some spirit floating around, you know, not have a real body. I believe that this is why God sometimes heals people on earth. To grant us a vision of what it would be like to be healed and glorious. I met a guy after the first service that told me how God gloriously and mightily healed him. And it was a miracle. And sometimes that happens. We pray for people. Sometimes we anoint them. And that happens. And the doctors say, I don't know why. I don't know why. But we know why. We know why. Because God, through that healing, is giving us a preview of coming attractions. Because the healings aren't the end. They're only a glimpse of the end. Now, are you with me? 
this is a reason why God gives us the Holy Spirit. Paul says again, right now we groan. We groan. But we have the Holy Spirit as a foretaste of future glory. So basic to our faith is the hope that this body, this physical body, is going to be raised, glorified, and the Bible says that God gave us the Holy Spirit as a promise that this will happen. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, Jesus paid not only for our souls, but when he died, he also paid for our bodies as well. He owns them. He died for them. Not only our souls, but our bodies as well. And what God owns, he aims to keep forever. And someday, in, this, in a glorified body, we're going to stand in a real glorified body in the presence of the body who redeemed it. Johnny Erickson Tata, does that strike a name? Johnny Erickson Tata had a spinal cord injury, and she was paralyzed for life. Just This was when she was a teenager. And, and it has not slowed her down at all. She has a marvelous ministry. She, she uh, has a radio program called Johnny and Friends. She's written books. Uh, one of her books on heaven is a great book if you want to read it. And she paints. I want you to look at the screen. She paint, see how she paints? With the brush in her mouth. Now, show them then some of the paintings that she made. Look at this. Can you believe that? That she does this with the brush in her teeth. Look at the detail. Can you imagine? I, I couldn't even take a picture that good, let alone paint one like that. And look at this, how she does that with her teeth. She travels around the world, even though she's paralyzed in the waist down, as an advocate for people who are suffering from handicaps. And she has ministered to millions. She, she does CDs. And sad to say, she's now battling cancer. Of all this, she's battling cancer. She just almost died last month. She had pneumonia, and she could not, because of her lungs, could not breathe well enough. And she almost died, but the Lord saved her. And she came out of the hospital. There was a picture of her. She can't lift her hands. She came out of the hospital, and she was doing this, you know. And the Lord raised her up to keep on using her. Now, as she considers the idea of her eternal resurrection body, she says this in her book about heaven. I was shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down. Will one day have a new body. Righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives to someone with a spinal cord injury like me? No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, hearts, and minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. Wow. 
so we will have a real body. All right, let's do a little review before we get to the third one. You might want to write these down. Write these, write these points down uh, in that space on your bulletin so you remember. Heaven will be real. It's going to be a real place. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place, a real place. Our bodies will be real. We're going to have a body just like Jesus did when he came back from the dead. And then Jesus will be real. Jesus will be real. Our bodies are going to be like the glorious body Jesus had, a real body. Now, folks, we just celebrated Easter, celebrated the physical body of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. After the resurrection, Jesus met up with two of his disciples. They were on their way to a mess, going home, and they were so discouraged because they said we had hoped he was going to be the one to save us. Jesus opened up the scriptures. Remember, it says our hearts burned within us. They invited him for supper, and uh, he prayed, and then all of a sudden, he was gone. And these disciples left their home in a mess, traveled seven miles back to Jerusalem, walked seven miles back to Jerusalem, found the apostles, and said, we've seen Jesus. We've seen Jesus. And look what happens. As, Jesus, as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. He said, peace be with you. But the whole group was terribly frightened, I reckon, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Why do you think he showed them his hands and his feet? The scars. The scars in his hands. The scars in his feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies. As you see, I do. And he spoke to them as he spoke to them. He held out his hands for them to see. And he showed them his feet. Two times Luke mentions that. Don't you think that's important? Two times. Hands. Look at them. Look at my feet. Scars. Scars in my body. Now, for the next 40 days, the apostles hung out with Jesus. They walked with him. They talked with him. They sat around the campfires with him. They ate with him. They slept with him on the ground in his real body. And then they went out on the mountain. And in his physical body, they watched him go up to heaven in his real physical body. And the angel said to them, he will come back just like you saw him leave. Now, what does that mean? He's going to come back in a real physical body. Look what 1 Corinthians 15 says. Every human being has an earthly body just like Adam's. But our heavenly bodies will be just like Christ. Just as we now are like Adam, the man of earth, so we will be someday, we will someday be like Jesus, the man from heaven. We were made for a person. We were made for a place. And someday we will be in that real place, in a real body that talks and walks and touches and eats 
And we will serve Jesus in a real place with a real body. And we will bow down at those wounded feet and praise him for eternity. Now, what do we do until then? What do we do until then? Paul tells us. He says, we cope by groaning. Groaning. It's okay to groan, not gripe. It's okay to groan. And you're in this physical body, and we groan because of this physical body. So this physical body makes us groan, waiting to be one of these days released from the pains in this body. We groan for the glorified body. But he said, not only groan, but then what we do, we lean. We lean into the Holy Spirit. We lean into our comforter. So it's okay to groan, and it's okay to cope by groaning and hoping. Let me read Romans, the 8th chapter for you again. I think Romans, the 8th chapter, is one of the great chapters of the Bible. It's one of my favorites. He says this. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, here it is again, we groan to be released from pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for the day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies he has promised. So we groan right now while we are waiting for our full rights as his children, which includes a new body that we will receive. And life gets hard. Life is hard. Some of you have had a terrible week. Some of you have a terrible week every week. Some of you suffer and have problems, and you wake up of a morning and think, is it not going to be any better today than it was yesterday? And some of you may suffer so you go to bed at night thinking, it's, it's not going to be any better tomorrow because of my body has, has all these limitations. And so we groan. But God has given us the Holy Spirit during those times of groaning to lean into the Holy Spirit. And during that leaning, the Holy Spirit comforts us and soothes us and calms us down and gives us the physical, spiritual, and mental energy we need to cope with the groaning. Look what Paul says. Our dying bodies make us groan and sigh, but it's not what we want, but but it's not that we want to die and have no bodies at all. We want to slip into our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by everlasting life. God himself has prepared for us this, and as a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit. Now, do any of you ever travel on a buddy pass or or stand by on a buddy pass? I, I, I used to travel a lot on buddy passes. There were a lot of Delta there were a lot of Delta people at First Church, and when I needed to go somewhere, they would, they, would, they would give me a buddy pass. It was a blessing, and it was a curse. It was a blessing that I didn't have to pay for it, but it was a curse sometimes trying to get home because you had to wait. 
And if there were no space, you, you, you waited until there was one. Well, one time I was in Washington, D.C. I had attended the National Day of Prayer service, and it was a Saturday afternoon, and I was trying to get home for Sunday. Well, I was traveling on a buddy pass. I think Brad probably is the one who gave it to me. And so I presented my buddy pass to the ticket agent, and he said, he said, Mr. Campbell, he said, there are three ahead of you. You're number four. And he said, I'll do what I can, but he said, just take a seat, and you'll have to wait. Well, you can't just take a seat and wait patiently. You're not sitting there anxious. Am I going to get home or not, you know, and you're wringing your hands, and, and so I had to move around. Well, this lady comes to the counter, and she says to the agent, I've got to be on that plane. I'm traveling by standby. I'm traveling. I've got to be on that plane. He said, ma'am, there are four people ahead of you, and you'll just have to take your turn. I, 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 I don't know if you'll give you or not. She said, you do not understand. I got to be on that plane. He said, ma'am, take a seat and wait. There are four ahead of you. Well, she left. And I thought, well, she's mad and leaving. That's good for me. I'll get on the plane. And so... She leaves, but she comes back. She has a brown bag holding it by the neck. I had an idea of what was in that brown bag. You know what she does? She sets it on the counter, and she says to the ticket agent, I have got to be on that flight. And she hands him the brown bag. He puts it under the counter. When the flight was called, guess who got bumped? Good old number four, L.D. Camp. Guess who went before me? Number five. So now when you're traveling on a buddy pass, I don't know what was in that brown bag, but I have a good idea. So go and get a brown bag and bring it to the ticket agent. You'll get on the flight. And I had to wait two more flights before I could get home. See, we're not traveling on a buddy pass. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry. We don't have to wring our hands. We don't have a buddy pass. Jesus has already paid the full price for the ticket. And we're going to be on the flight. We're going to make it. The Holy Spirit is our boarding pass. And he has given us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And folks, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is nothing to make light of. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. But it's important. The Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit within us is such a marvelous doctrine. We are living in a world full of death and decay and despair. And we need to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And in those times when we are just groaning because of pain and agony and suffering, just remember, lean into the Holy Spirit. Let him speak comfort to your soul and to your spirit because your salvation is assured. We cope by hoping, we groan and we lean into the Holy Spirit. Our salvation will be complete when we get our new bodies. But until then, until then, we have a taste of what our complete salvation is like because 
We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gets us through the groaning. I don't know if you've read the book or not, Heaven is for Real. They made a movie out of it, didn't they make a, they made a movie out of it? The guy who wrote it, his name is Tom Burpo, and he tells about his four-year-old son, Colton. Colton had to have emergency surgery. It was life-threatening surgery. And the little guy had an out-of-body experience and a near-death experience. But he lived. A few months later, they were driving by the hospital where he had the surgery, and he said to his mom and dad, that's where I saw the angels. They said, what? Right there, that's where I saw the angels. When I was there, I saw the angels. Well, his parents began to question him. Colton began to describe to them in childlike fashion things that his parents were very skeptical of. And Colton began to reveal stuff that he didn't know the details before. It was impossible for him to know those details. For instance, he informed them. He said, while I was in heaven, I met my sister. Well, Colton's mother had had a miscarriage before he was born. She had never told him. They had never told him anything about him having a sister. And he also told him, he said, I met my grandpa. And they said, what? Because he had died 30 years before Colton was born. The family called the grandpa Pop. And after Colton spoke of meeting his grandfather, Todd got an old picture of his dad, and he showed Pop's picture to Colton, and he said, is this him? This, it was taken when he was 63 years old, right before he died. And he said, oh, no, that's not him. That's not him. Well, Todd got to thinking. He called his mama, and he said, Mom, send me a picture of Dad when he was a young man. She sent him a picture of his dad when he was in his 30s. And when the picture came, Colton said, that's him. That's a man you call Pop. Because he said, Dad, nobody's old in heaven. And nobody wears glasses like that man, that old man. This is him. This is the man you call Pop. <clears throat> heaven is real. Heaven is real. Is real. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that Jesus has gone into the heavenlies to prepare us a glorious home. And Father, give us a greater capacity to just realize how awesome it is <coughs> that one day. Jesus is going to reverse the curse. Not only will our souls be completely saved, but our bodies as well. And I pray that you would give us a greater desire to listen to the Holy Spirit when we groan, when our bodies groan, when our bodies ache, when our souls grieve. Help us to listen to your Spirit. And lean into your spirit to receive the physical, spiritual, 
and mental health that we need to cope with the groaning. Oh, Father, we look forward to the day when we will have this glorious new body and live in your presence forever. We ask this in the name of Jesus who makes heaven possible and all God's people said, amen. If you're not ready to go to heaven, we're going to give you an opportunity to get ready to go to heaven. Don't miss heaven for anything on earth, amen. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Jesus died to save your soul, yes. But he died to redeem your body from the curse as well. I have a brother who has not walked on his own since he was two years old. One of these days, my brother will be standing upright and walk like he did when he was two years old. That's our promise. That is our promise. A glorious body. Don't, don't miss it. Accept Jesus today. He wants to give you salvation as a gift. Now, it cost him the life of his son Jesus. But he says, by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, least any man should boast. But of faith. It's a gift. Come and receive that gift. And then when we get to heaven... And it's going to be shouting time. It's going to be shouting time. And we'll get together. And we'll have a party. We'll have a party of all parties. Amen. So I invite you to come and accept Jesus. You want to pray? You need to pray? Come here.